Learn how throttling occurs at the disk and the virtual machine level and how caching can help minimize the impact of these performance limits. This week on Data Exposed. Hi, I'm Anna Hoffman, and welcome to this episode of Data Exposed. Today, I'm joined by David Pless, a program manager on the Azure Data team. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, Anna, happy to be here. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. And today, we're going to be talking about optimizing storage performance in SQL Server on Azure Virtual Machines. And before we get into it, I'd love to get your take on why should people care about optimizing storage performance? Yeah. So. Optimizing uh, storage performance is the one, of, one of the most critical areas to address when architecting for scalability. With SQL Server on Azure Virtual Machines, this is like a really important topic. So be aware that you can easily scale machine sizes to control cost and give our workload performance when it's needed. But storage is more difficult to change and is needed to get right up front. So we want to make sure that our storage solution accounts for our workload needs and can buffer spikes in our workloads. So the key areas to focus on from a storage perspective is your input and output operations per second, or your IOPS, and throughput performance limits. And this is based on the virtual machine type and size. Now, IOPS is like, again, the number of requests per second, and throughput is the actual bandwidth or the amount of data that can be transferred per second. So looking at our documentation at the virtual machine level, if we consider, for example, the E32 DSV4, you get a maximum uncached disk limit of uh, 51,200 IOPS and a throughput limit of 768 megabytes per second. And that max uncached disk throughput for IOPS and throughput, you're gonna see this in, across our documentation. It's a really key thing to target from a performance perspective. Keep in mind, when, when we push against these limits at either the virtual machine or the disk level, this is when capping or throttling will occur. Now, now looking at our disk, our virtual machine storage, the disk and the data will also have their own IOPS and throughput limits. The larger the disk or the virtual machine, the more IOPS or throughput you'll get at either level. So we recommend using premium disks for managed storage and the memory optimized virtual machines for SQL Server workloads. Azure Premium SSDs is the best option for production SQL Server workloads, but they can be used with VM series only that have premium storage uh, capabilities. So, Shown here is a snapshot, again, of our Azure Disk documentation. I did this intentionally, so this is exactly what you would see if you look this up online um, in, our, in, our, in the documentation. If you see the P30 disk, you'll see that you get 5,000 provisioned IOPS and 200 megabytes per second throughput per disk, okay? Awesome. That is really interesting. Um, thanks so much, David, so far. Uh, I think what would be really cool is if you could take us through, like, some scenarios, and I know you've prepared some that kind of let right. us understand like the different scenarios that throttling occurs and how we can minimize that impact. Right. So again, this happens at both levels. So I think this is going to be pretty important. So first, let's talk about disk IO capping. 
keeping in mind that Azure virtual machines are going to have IOP and throughput limits based on the virtual machine type and size, and that all disks will have their own IOP and throughput limits. In this example, we're going to walk through how performance can get capped when the application requests more IOPS or throughput than what's allotted for the attached disks. When capped, applications may experience suboptimal performance through increased latency. And I say may because it depends on the degree of throttling. And this is why it's important to measure. So let's take this example of the D8S V3. We have this machine that has eight vCore, 32 gigs of memory. But the key piece here that we're focusing on is the 12,800 uncached IOPS for this machine. So in this case, we've configured three standard P10 disks. There's one P10 OS disk that's used for the OS that supports up to 500 IOPS and up to 100 megabytes per second throughput. And there's two P10 data disks that each support up to 500 IOPS and up to 100 megabyte per second throughput. So here's the process. The application is requesting 10,000 IOPS. Through the machine, we are then breaking down these requests. And just imagine that there's 1,000 IOPS requested to, to the OS, and there's 4,500 IOPS requested to each data disk. We, here, we've already run into a problem. Because the P10 only supports up to 500 IOPS and 100 megabytes per second. So they're only going to return at those at that limit. And therefore, we are throttling to only 1,500 IOPS being uh, uh, 1,500 IOPS to the application when it requested 10,000. So in this case, this would be a significant amount of throttling, and it's at the disk level. Okay. So how do you address this? Again, we have the same scenario. The difference is we've upgraded our disks, and we upgraded them from the P10 to the P30. And what that's going to do is improve us from 500 to 5,000 IOPS from 100 to 200 megabyte per, uh, per second throughput. So when we do the same amount, the same requests, because we're not being limited, the application gets back the full amount of IOPS that it requested. Okay. Gotcha. And now so that, it's kind of an easy fix, but you have to know where to go to fix it. It's important, right, because in this case, if I needed to address this, I needed I need to address it at the storage level, at the disk level. Okay, so that's a good segue. So now consider this example, this time at the virtual machine level for VMIO throttling. In this case, we're increasing the application's required IOPS. Now the application, let's say, is asking for 15,000 IOPS. Again, we have the same standard D8S V3. The key piece here, again, is that 12,800 uncached IOPS for the machine. We've already upgraded our, di our disk to the P30, so we're not going to have an issue there. So when we break down the request, in this case, let's just imagine that the request is evenly broke down. 5,000 IOPS to the OS, and then 5,000 IOPS broken down to each data disk. All the attached disks are P30, so they're going to be able to handle this. So they're going to respond back with those requested amounts. No problem, right? The, the issue is, is that the VM, the D8S V3, can only return 12,800 IOPS. This is what's being limited, and this is what where the limitation is being returned to the application. 
Now, the question is, is that an, enough throttling for us to worry about it? That would all come down to the application experience and monitoring. Quick question, David. Uh, is it also possible to be capped at the throughput level? Yes, yes, you definitely can. So when we think of IOPS, I tend to think of like OLTP applications. Mm -hmm. If you have like a data warehouse or heavy, heavy reporting environment, we tend to worry more about throughput. Most workloads are mixed. The examples we're showing here are IOPS, but you can also be limited at the throughput level as well. It's a really good question. Okay, so let's talk about these different buckets, this uncached versus cache limits. We've been talking this whole time about uncached IOPS and to Anna, to your question, uncached throughput. So there again, there are two limits. The maxed uncached disk throughput, this is the default storage maximum limit that the virtual machine can handle. This is what limits um, what we've been talking about so far but the max cache storage throughput limit is a separate limit and only applies when you enable host caching. And we definitely want host caching. Host caching works by bringing storage closer to the VM so, so it can be written to or read from very, very quickly. So the amount of storage that we have available to the VM for host caching is gonna differ between VM series and size. So for example, the D8S V3 comes with 200 gigs of, of cache storage, 16,000 IOPS, and 128 megabytes per second throughput. You enable host caching when you create your virtual machines and attached disk, but you can adjust it later on. Got it. And um, do we support enabling host caching on all uh, disk sizes? So host caching for, for reads and writes, is supported on disk sizes less than four terabytes. So this means that any disk provisioned all the way up to uh, uh, 4,095 gigs, just under four terabytes, can take advantage of host caching. Cool. All right, so let's look at how this is set up. So in the Azure portal, just under the virtual machine disk blade, you can adjust the host caching to match your workload requirements for each disk. You can set it up to none. This means just no caching would be used at all. Read-only, and this is for workloads that do, re do read-only operations, or read-write, and this is like a balance of read and write operations. For SQL Server workloads, for our SQL Server data files, we recommend that you use read-only for data files and, and let's say your remote DB configuration Typically, we would we would want TempDB on the ephemeral drive, but if like let's say it's too large to put on the ephemeral drive, then you could put it on the remote store. In that case, you could use read-only caching. We recommend that you do not use caching at all for the log file. The log file would not benefit from read caching, and you're basically losing the cache where it would be more useful for other storage needs. So to simplify this, it's either going to be read-only or none. Never read write for data files. Now, with this employed, okay, so we're going back to the previous example and we're gonna fix it with caching. Again, we have the D8S V3, the 12,800 IOPS uncached, but this time with 16,000 cached IOPS as the virtual machine now has read-only caching enabled. Again, the application is requesting 15,000 IOPS. And again, imagine the requests are being broken down as five 
1,000 IOPS to the underlying remote disks. Because caching is enabled for the underlying storage, we get the full 15,000 IOPS from the cache throughput, and we do not run into the limits of the uncached scenario that we had before. There's no capping at either level, disk or virtual machine. Wow, that's pretty cool. You know, David, these scenarios have been really interesting, really useful for kind of understanding like where should you go look and what can you do to kind of limit some of the throttling and take advantage of host, things like host caching, caching. Right. Um, if you think about like trying to wrap this up, are there some like overall best practices or tips you have for our viewers? Absolutely. So, to, it, and we cover this in some of our larger sessions, but very quickly to hit all the key stuff, this is not even 80-20, it's like 90-10. To sum up, choose the right disk. So we recommend premium SSDs because they are low latency, well-priced and scalable with really strong throughput. Um, remember, premium SSDs can be used with VM series that are only, that are premium storage compatible. So those are the ones you're gonna wanna target. You can use premium disks from P1 to P80, but there are features that are only available on certain sizes. You'll see that in our documentation. We recommend using P30s and P40s for the data disks. And remember, we only support caching for disks that are less than four terabytes. And since caching support is not recommended for log files, you can use P30s up to P80s for the log disk. We still recommend customers start with P30s for both data and log files. And you're gonna to wanna to use storage spaces to increase the throughput for the VM limits. We make this very easy with the storage configuration templates. For ultra disk scenarios, you're only gonna to wanna to use ultra disk for extreme low latency. Basically when you need sub millisecond um, low latency writes, especially for the SQL Server log files. In particular, ultra disks are useful when the for the transaction log. When you have um, high log usage scenarios from SQL Server features, and or you have high write log weights. Um, for the ephemeral disk, this is your local uh, temporary disk. It's automatic, automatically created and labeled as the D drive by default. You lose this drive on restarts and recycles when the virtual machine is deallocated, but the disk gets recreated on start, startup. So it's good for storing any short-term scenarios for applications and processes, makes it perfect for tempdb and why would we wanna put TempDB in the ephemeral drive? Well, it doesn't count against our uncached limits for the virtual machine. So that, that's a good scenario for using the ephemeral disk. And we've been talking about this whole time is enabling the host caching. So when you enable read-only host caching on premium storage, you get better IOPS throughput and lower read latency for your application by taking advantage of caching made up of the local SSD plus memory. So it's gonna be a strong scenario there. Enable write acceleration um, when you're using the M-series virtual machines, that's, that's exclusive to the M-series. And the purpose is to improve IO latency writes against Azure Premium Storage. It's really best suited for the log file um, for like highly leveraged transactional databases. And certainly last but not least, leverage the storage configuration template. Um, it makes configuration manageable uh, when you use the Azure Marketplace image and the storage configuration template, many of the storage best practices we recommend are employed for you by default. Your data disks are going to have read-only caching enabled. Data files will be placed in separate locations from the SQL Server log files. Uh, 
temp database files will be placed by default on the ephemeral disk and more. It makes it a lot easier to address. Awesome. Thanks so much, David. This has been Absolutely. so informative. I've learned so much. I also want to add the storage configuration is amazing. So it's been uh, great yes. for someone like me. I've really learned a lot just by using it to kind of learn about the best practices. Um, but David, thanks so much for joining us on the show. For our viewers, thanks for joining us. We will put some links to learn more in the description. Um, and we hope to see you next time on Data Exposed.